but I mean, you know, in the world you want to promote if you have something good. Uh, but I can see kind of a gauzy TV spot, maybe with me and a mandolin and a kitten together. Yep. I can see that happening. Immediate yeah. Immediate yeah. Yep, right. Sales like go up like fall. crazy. I'm drinking a latte. The leaves are falling. I'm cuddling the kitten. I like that. Yeah. And the mandolin. Man, and I'm and I'm playing my dulcimer, or what did I say it was before? Zither. Sorry for saying sorry. Media presents the Purr Podcast, the best podcast for feline medicine and surgery, with tips, tricks, and updates for the entire veterinary healthcare team. If you're dying to know more about cats, keep on listening. Here are your hosts, Dr. Susan Little, famous cat vet and textbook author, and Dr. Yola Kirpenstein, talented surgeon and social media geek. <laughs> Hello, this is Dr. Yola Kerpenstein. And this is Dr. Susan Little. Are we doing weird voices now on the intro? But I have to, I, I have to go fill my burpin, though. Oh, okay. I need yeah. like, oh, wait, okay. Can you get seconds, five minutes? 30 seconds. Okay, oh, five minutes. I don't chat. know Run, run, run. You, you know, you, you and I can chat. Well, yeah, we will chat. We'll chat. Well, our, so. well, and this chat. is the Purple Podcast, by the way. Dr. Tony is getting his adult beverage. Well, Dr. Susan and I are, you know, drying up here. Yes, 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 yes. So hi, Dr. Susan. How are you doing today? Um, I Well, I'm doing good today because I did something I, I don't do often enough. I took a day off from work. Oh, and wow. I, yes, because it's sunny out today and and um, it's it's spring and spring is unreliable in Canada where I live, right? It's like, once you're in May, you're pretty good. April's highly unreliable. Yeah. 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 Uh, one, one day- oh, Is there snow on the ground or is no, it's snow? gone? I was just going to say one day in late April, we had rain, hail and snow all in the mm. same day. So, but no, but I've been um, out working in my garden um, all, all day. So yeah. yeah. And you're not, you we're not allowed to laugh about the weather in uh, where Dr. Susan lives because she ah. had a tornado that lifted Indeed. up her house and turned it around a little bit. <laughs> well, it, it did a lot. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Yes. And so a lot of what I was doing today was moving plants around because some um, small, can you say small heavy equipment, like heavy equipment, but it's small. So, so small equipment is coming into my backyard, hopefully to uh, finally, um, years after the tornado hit our, our house, finally going to rebuild a patio for me. Oof. I remember the tornado. Yes, the tornado. He the seems tornado to attract, tornado. you know, disasters. And this was one of them. Oh, oh my. Indeed. Yes. Yeah. Ugh. But yeah. Yeah. So if you look at the front of my house now, you can't tell, but if you go in the backyard, you can, the first thing people say is, did a tornado hit this? And I'm like, yeah, actually. That's why that big tree is leaning at that angle. Yep. That's why. Ooh. Okay. Dr. Susan, uh, would you mind introducing our guest for the second week? Well, we're very lucky because we have um, Dr. Tony Johnson back with us, a criticalist mm-hmm. um, that um, I have have not had the chance to work with for a while because of the pandemic. But and tornadoes and tornadoes. But you're one of the most fun lab partners. So um, as are you. Yeah. So uh, I haven't been able to do my feline wet lab. I usually do it at is it still called Western or does it have a new name? WV, they may, have, they, they may have done a KFC thing and gone with W or WVC okay. instead of Western. I don't, I don't know. 
No, that was the, the Oquendo Center, but yeah, the Oquendo Center. So with the Western yeah. Vet Conference, yes. yes. Yep. So I haven't yep. been yep. able to do that lab for a while, but uh, yeah, but once once it's uh, we'll put the once, band back together. Yeah, once 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 we have the all clear, I, that's that's in that's on my list. I want to get our, my feline wet lab going and get Dr. Tony in there with me. I would yeah, and I, I always thought fun. that I was the favorite tube inserter, but I know I'm replaced now. <laughs> No, well, we I, can be co-tube inserters. No, co-tube inserters. I do have a circulating group of of uh, of like about three of you, actually. So yeah. I know. I yeah. know. Yeah. Whoever you know, whatever bow we need at the time. <laughs> well, it's just like whoever will do a wet lab with me yeah. on like a given day, right? Yeah. Oh, but, uh, but the, but the good news say. is, it is so long ago. Everybody has forgotten. True. So they will True. say, oh, yeah, sure, we'll do yep. it. Mm -hmm. True. Yep. True. Yeah. As long as again. I can bring my mandolin, I'm in. There you yep. go. Yeah. So I, I think that will be um, uh, a given, um, Tony. We'll, the next time, as we'll, soon as we get a wet lab organized, you will have to open it by playing your mandolin. There's just. I will. No mm -hmm. Mandolin. And, and I, I will bring the harpsichord too, because I'm, quite, oh, I'm entirely self taught on the harpsichord. Oh, uh, oh that's nice. And so. And the kazoo, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I can't. I'm, we cannot wait. Can't wait to see the reviews too. All three of them at once. Like, like, yep, all three. It's a bit of a one-man band. I As we talk and we, and, and we wonder why there is so few animals and people in the ER when <laughs> when I'm on. Yeah, I told you. Scary like rats. Yes. So I have to ask you, um, Tony, since you you are a criticalist and you you keep your your hand in as you even though your mm -hmm. I guess your your real job is with uh, Vin these days, but you keep as your the hand Minister in. of Happiness. That's, that's my right. official job that's title. His, his Minister official. of Happiness. There you go. It's on my that, business cards. It's on my business cards. That yeah. is like the best job title ever. So, mm -hmm. but yep. so during the during the pandemic. Um, did you see a change in like volumes of patients going into the ERs like so many of us did or? It has gotten better. But yes. yeah, for a while, um, yeah. it was just bonkers. And it's the yeah. first time that I've ever actually asked to close the ER. Like that's been antithetical Ooh. to me for 25 years. Wow. But there was a point where we just couldn't do good patient care. Like the stress level was huge. Yeah. Um, so closing the ER and diverting um, became a thing. We tried to limit it as much as we could. But you know, just the loss of efficiency from curbside, the just the flood, and I, I you know, I, everybody loves to to talk about what caused it. Um, yeah. I think it's multifactorial. I think it's pandemic pets. I think it's people being home with their pets and seeing things. Yeah. I think it's you know a lot of general practices getting overwhelmed or having sick staff, and so we were doing way more GP stuff. But it upended everything you know stuff where i would usually be like well let's leave this procedure or these diagnostics for their primary care vet who they can see hopefully within the next 48 hours they're like no we can't get in for three weeks so we're doing, doing way more workups on chronic things like it just was bonkers but yeah I, it's mellowed um it was bad for a while yeah it we we saw the same thing here in ottawa i think like that's probably in any urban center saw the same thing. This was yeah. the first time that our, we have um, three lo good sized local emergency practices. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the first time I've ever seen them close and go on diversion ever. Never saw yeah, it. Me too. 
Me too. Yep. Like we, I, you know, people go then if everything is closed. Well, so at Christmas, over the Christmas holidays, two of our three were on diversion, and so, so I practice in in Ottawa, so uh, so people had to drive either Montreal, which is a good two hours away, um, or there's uh, within another two hour drive, there's another one, or go down to Toronto, which is you know three to four hour drive. There was nothing yeah. within two yeah. hour drive. Yeah, we did a lot more drop off things you know yeah. like there's you know there's emergencies there's urgencies and then there's yeah. just things that are like it's been a problem and now i have yeah. the opportunity to come in yeah. and so you have to triage those and try and figure out what needs to be seen now um, but a lot of drop off things that were not life-threatening so we could see them in between other things um but you know everybody the stress level was high you get one technician who gets covid yep. and you know all the other technicians have to work harder uh, burnout, fatigue, all that stuff was was a factor. But I mean, you know, Yoli, your question about where they go is just any port to storm. You know, sometimes there was nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. We would sometimes be on diversion, but something would just walk through the door, and then you have, you know, you have to deal with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it's a, yeah, it's a tough situation for sure. Yeah. Just- Are you using any tele triage uh, in in the clinics that you work? No, Mm-mm. I mean te- telephone, but not video mm. or any anything like that. I, you know, I, I, I did a video visit myself for my, you know, I, I threw my shoulder out of whack, um, and it worked great for that. But I mean, just the inability to do a proper physical, you know, hold, hold your kitten up to the camera, like yeah. I just can't see that yeah. as a viable. I, I, I just wondered for the because I I remember a case really well long 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 time ago when I I was on emergency duty and it was this lady that was complaining about that the dog was the ear was falling off and there was blood everywhere and that sort of things and then she came in and there was just a little tiny tiny cut yeah, that was yeah. already you know it didn't bleed right. anymore when she came in and I think uh, just to especially when you have this huge cage loss. <clears throat> To be able to look at the animal and say, okay, this cat is open mouth breathing. Yeah, you might want to bring it in. Or this cat is just purring, which is normal. Uh, maybe bring it in tomorrow. In a perfect world, I completely agree with you. I feel like things have gotten so litigious and there's so much defensive medicine that the first big case where something gets jacked up and misdiagnosed, mm-hmm. I think it's going to just spread like wildfire. And, you know, so I agree in principle, I think it might be nice. Um, I have done telemedicine for clinics where I talk to a vet and they can, you know, I can look at the rads, I can watch them do a physical. I'm much more comfortable with that than, you know, Joe Sixpack as an owner. Yeah, and the, the other thing is to do teletriage, you have to have personnel available to do that, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah and a good bit of our struggle I mean, even still, a lot of a lot of clinics are struggling to have enough trained personnel. Like the, you know, as Tony says, the the flood of patients is evening out, but we still don't. Right. We still don't have enough trained people. So yeah. And that's yes. true. Although you, you you know your telephone call takes as much time. Now you have a visual telephone call. So I I, I, <coughs> I there, is, there is a way that you can. I don't think we need to. You know, I I'm with you. Telediagnosing, teletreating is not the way to go. Uh, teletriage might be a little bit more applicable here, yeah. uh, especially to sift out the things that don't have to come. 
Yeah. We did a, we did do some of that um, at one point during the, the pandemic, partly because I had to close one of my hospitals. So all of our team were operating out of one hospital. So we did have people, uh, we did sort of have spare people then, right? Because we, we yeah. were only running one hospital. So we did, we did some then. Um, we're continuing to do like video appointments these days, but they're mostly for like follow-up on chronic things, you know, behavior problems, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah, things where you've already seen the pet, right? Right. Something where a physical might, like yeah, not a new patient yeah. visit, something yeah. where a physical might not really give you a whole lot. Yeah. Of yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, so that's been good. We've kept that in our, but, but I think especially in, in emergency medicine, right? Like you, yeah, I'm, yeah, I think it'd be tricky to, <coughs> to, do, to do teletriage. Well, and even some of my, you know, ER patients or ICU patients, uh, it is kind of a televisit because if they're trying to kill me, I'm basically just standing outside the cage going, yep, I can see your mucus <laughs> membranes are pink when you're hissing and you're not in yeah. respiratory distress. And, you know, so that's my version of telemedicine is there you not, go. Getting, not getting bitten. There you go. And then uh, the other question I have for you, uh, Tony, was during the pandemic, uh, the, the interest on VIN, has that increased or? Question. Um, I mean, there, you know, VIN's always been busy. Um, I don't know that it has changed the nature of stuff very much. I mean, it's always been a useful resource for people. Um, I think just the ability to maybe vent and get support and talk about like, holy cow, what is happening? You know, what ideas do you have for, you know, are you still masking? Are you still doing curbside? Right. Um, and we do a poll every week that's on the front page. And a lot of those were on masking and curbside and COVID policies and things like that. Right. Um, so I don't know, you know, I think it was more of a change than an increase. More, a lot more support. Yeah, and, and right. definitely support for people who were hurting and struggling. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, that's, it's really valuable to know, like, cause that's, that's a fairly safe space, right. To, to mm -hmm. go to and say, you know, like uh, I own a clinic, should I have a mandatory mask policy or right. right. And we have for people that are really in the throes of it, there's a, a confidential support group. There's actually several for vets with, uh, you know, uh, chemical dependency and right. considering suicide. You know, we have all these resources that are available free, to anybody, you don't even have to be a VIN member um, through the, the VIN Foundation, which has done a ton of, of good, um, yeah. you know, just in terms of supporting uh, colleagues. Yeah, and there's there's not really anything else out there like that, right? That's that's veterinary specific, so. Even on the human side, like I, you know, my, my wife has a cousin who's a brilliant, uh, like neuro, neuro researcher who's also a, a psychiatrist. And I, you know, I talk to her every time and she's like, there's nothing like this for people. You know, there's yeah. no, just because I think we're, you know, VIN is still somewhat informal at its core mm -hmm. and we don't have HIPAA to worry about. You know, I think there's a whole lot of, a right. lot of um, differences, but no, I mean, there's a few other information sources. Um, what I think that VIN has sort of, you know, perfected the formula on is the, the sort of humanistic support part of, hey, you're doing a great job with this case, or I'm sorry you had a crummy day, like tomorrow will be better. I think you did everything you could. So the community and just the sense of sort of supporting a colleague as opposed to like, how do I stitch up a bloat? You know, there's a, there's lots of sources for, for that and they do a wonderful job. Like Vet Girl is great. That's um, yep. Justine Lee's outfit. 
um, you know, lots and lots of things for information. Um, you know, there are like Facebook groups, but I'm allergic to Facebook, so <laughs> I don't really know much of those. Hmm. Yeah, it's the it's the support that's that's key. There's there's a couple of um, threads on Vin about um, like funny vet experiences that when I really oh, yeah. boost, yeah. I go read those, mm -hmm. and they, mm -hmm. they they get me laughing and feeling better within like <coughs> ten minutes. So. And there was an odd social not social media, but like social experiment thing on Vin, there was a thread that was started years ago by Shirley Koshy, who's a vet who unfortunately lost her life to suicide. Yes. But she started it, it's called the cheating thread. And it has become its own little social network on Vin, where oh. there's certain people that go in, they actually meet in the real world. And they just have this as their own little thread of discussion about their lives and practices. And it's got 20,000 posts or something like that. It's a wow. very bizarre little social media experiment. That's oh, social that's media. Awesome. That's awesome. Social. So for, for um, our listeners that are not really familiar with Vin, can you give a quick description and where can they find more information? So Vin is a community of now over 90,000 worldwide veterinarians. Um, and it is a place where you can go and post a case you can post radiographs, you can post lab results, you can have specialists in whatever specialty you dream of help you with cases. That's kind of the medical part of it. Um, we have resources like Mentor, which is an area that I curate um, that has procedure videos. We have 50 procedure videos on everything from equine enucleation to brachial plexus block to how to do an epidural to how to tap a chest. Um, and just, you know, we have a whole internal medicine textbook on there. So it's really a place where People can go for a ton of medical information and CE, but then also the community part of it, the heart of VIN, um, I think is what really has, has made it be the success it is because you can vent about clients, you can vent about a case, you can tell people you're sad and get virtual hugs and, you know, um, so, you know, www.vin.com, um, everybody can have a free 30-day trial. I think the pricing is very reasonable for what you get. Um, and if, you know, you can have medical help, you can have psychosocial help, you can have whatever you need to support you and support your practice and support your patients. Oh, yep. That's great. Thank you. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. That's like a commercial. Didn't I know. You did such a good job. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> get a promotion. We'll send this to uh, to the team to say, hey, I am the I am the minister of happiness. So. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. The minister of happiness just mm -hmm. you know, maybe I can become the blessing. pope of happiness now. What's like what's above minister? I mean, the uh, archdiocese um, so, of happiness. The, yeah, <laughs> so we, we, we also can there's progress. Uh, you know, there, it, there's also always something better. And what I would say, saying exactly the same thing, but then with a little mandolin in the background. <laughs> I agree. I agree. That would make it better. We'll do, you know, and the crazy thing is Vin has no advertising, zero. It's all membership subscription based. Um, and there is a marketing department, but they're always kind of at odds with the guy who started it. He's like, ah, I don't need any marketing. That's crazy. <laughs> but I mean, you know, in the world, you want to promote if you have something good. Uh, but I can see kind of a gauzy TV spot, maybe with me and a mandolin and a kitten. <laughs> together yep. i can see that happening immediate yeah. hit immediate yeah. hit yep right sales like go up like fall. crazy i'm drinking a latte the leaves are falling i'm cuddling the kitten i like that <laughs> yeah and mandolin. the mandolin. and i'm and i'm playing my dulcimer or what did i say it was before zither dulcimer zither zither 
kazoo yeah. zither yep. yeah yes yep. yeah the whole combination wonderful idea wonderful ideas yeah all right yep. let's focus again on critical no. care for no. oh god okay yes <laughs> Yeah. Focusing, so, focusing. Mm -hmm. So I, I wanted to talk about blocked cats. I want I want to talk about your approach to blocked cats because there's like a gazillion ways to approach blocked cats. Yes, right? yes. Okay. So what, what's Dr. Tony's way? Not not that I don't know because we've done this in labs, but what's Dr. Tony's way of approaching blocked cats? Maybe it's changed. I don't know. I, I don't know if it's changed uh, that much. I mean, as you know, they come in many different flavors. They do. The, the one, honestly, to me, the one that's the most frustrating is the almost block cat. Oh, yeah. you know, like, you know, those ones that come yeah. in and they've, they've got periuria, yes. maybe hematuria. They're not blocked yet. Yeah. And maybe they have a, you know, small, maybe they got a small bladder. And then what I'll often do with those is give them analgesia, maybe some fluids, try and get a UA. But, you know, there's some of them where we send them home and we're like, go with God and you hope for the best. Yes. Um, but I mean, you know, let's then let's say, okay, other end of the spectrum, super hot black cat comes in, the potassium is nine. Um, so I will usually do, I'll do fluids first, like establish IV access, fluids first, analgesia, check electrolytes. Um, I, I think this is my training and I'm always willing to accept new things. I'm not a big decompressive cystocentesis guy right off the bat. Right. When I was at, at Purdue, Larry Adams, who is one of the gods of nephrology, yeah. mm -hmm. is a decompressive cystocentesis guy. And the physics of it makes sense, right? You're relieving yep. back pressure. You're maybe allowing the kidneys to start ramping up earlier and do their thing. That's fine. It's not usually my first thing. Um, so I would say if the potassium is, you know, over six and a half, seven, um, I probably go with like, let's try and get them unblocked as soon as we can. If it's over nine, Probably I would do, um, well, the, the new kid on the block is um, not terbutaline, albuterol. Oh, albuterol. Yes. I, albuterol. I, I, yeah. Have you tried it? Right. Well, the crazy, no, I have not tried it. But the crazy thing is like, we sort of came at this backwards because one of the consequences of albuterol, you know, stupid dog chews up the inhaler. Yeah. They're wicked hypokalemic. Huh. So... People were like, well, if they get wicked hypokalemic from chewing up the inhaler, maybe we could, you know, weaponize this and use it for hyperkalemic block cats. Perfect. Lots of, you know, I don't know of any studies because I right, can't right. read, which is sort of my big secret. <laughs> yeah. um, I haven't read any articles on it, um, but that's something that people. How do you read the music? Um, you know, I'm just very intuitive when it comes to the the kazoo like he, I just he learns sort of, by ear he I feel ear. I feel yeah. the music more than reading it like yeah. it just sort of you know he's natural my soul it's yeah just it's really him. yeah yeah unlike my veterinary skills which are yeah. unnatural do, do you um, know what the mechanism is for the albuterol potassium gets better yeah that's that's <laughs> yep. my level too that's like, the mechanism yep. yeah i'm like potassium goes down yep okay. i mean i could probably throw out some terms like intracellular and transmembrane <laughs> ion channels and you, you, you talk you know. like surgeons do. yeah <laughs> no you it know. just gets better it, it gets, gets better, better. Yeah. yeah so yeah, don't worry about it yeah yeah, yeah we'll it's take the surgery better. approach do this it gets better yeah no i do <laughs> think it causes a transmembrane flux of potassium <laughs> i'm sure it does 
I think it's actually, I think it's similar to insulin. So like when we give insulin, insulin dextrose mixtures, that does cause a trans, I'm, this is, I'm confident of this, a transmembrane flux of potassium into the cell. So if it's in the cell and it's not in the serum, then it's not going to be pushing buttons on your heart. Okay. So potassium nine, I probably like, I I want to experiment with albuterol. I haven't done it yet. Mm. Standard therapy is usually like calcium gluconate and uh, insulin dextrose. Those midland ones, you know, like eh, six and a half, not looking terrible. Sometimes I'll just put them on dextrose after, but really, I'm, you know, once you unblock them, yeah, nine times resolve. out of ten, it's going to resolve. Yeah. Um, yeah. The fun part, I always think, is managing their post-obstructive diuresis. Indeed. <laughs> so well, wait, you can, here you I can say I'll, fun because you work in an ICU. Susan does yeah. not say fun because she doesn't work in an well, ICU. But, so here, here, like the pearls that I have on this, it took me a long time to kind of realize this, but once your renal values have normalized, yeah. in theory, you've built up your ionic gradients around the tube of whatever it's called in the kidney, the giant tube of Henley, the loop of Henley. There we go. I got it. I got it. So yeah. you've got your urea in there, you've got your sodium in there. Once the renal values have normalized, in theory, they should be able to concentrate urine, right? Okay. So you often have them on 50 mils an hour, 100 mils an hour, and you're keeping up with the post-obstructive diuresis. I, like, I was very good at getting to that point, but then- Yeah, it's then, what then was, what? I know that was the hard thing for me is like, wait a minute, are they making a bunch of pee because we're putting a bunch of fluids into them? Exactly. Or, are we putting a bunch of fluids into them because they can't concentrate their pee? But once your renal values are better, in theory, you should have the ionic gradients set to the point that they have recovered. So that's where I'll like drop the fluids by 25%. Okay. Wait three or four hours. And if they sort of are like, okay, less fluids, I don't have to pee out this much, I can conserve fluids, and urine output drops, yeah. then that's where I'm like, I'm no longer driving the diuresis, the body can do it. If you drop it, even if their renal values are normal, if you drop it and they're still putting out 100 mils an hour, yeah. you go back up, you try to get in eight hours, yeah. or 12 hours or, or whatever. Um, like but you were talking, what's that? I like that. Is that, that what you do too? Because it's picking, well, it's I, I, not not as sort of deliberately as you're explaining, right? I'm usually like, okay, you look like I could, <laughs> I could try now. I'm like, you know, mm-hmm. you look like I could do it. But, but see, that's, that's your gestalt thing. of the situation. Your gestalt is like, you're looking at the whole thing. You're looking at the lab work. You're looking at the patient. You're like, you're hydrated. Your real values yeah. are normal. Let's try and back it down. Yeah. I thought yeah. in, in the normal ERs, it was like in the morning and you see that the, the urinary or the renal values go back to normal. You say, okay, street them back to the uh, venerian. <laughs> this is why ventilators have wheels on them. Yeah. Just so you can get them on the road and get them home. Let's, yeah, yeah. And then Dr. Susan had to treat them anyway. I have a question for you all. And this is a question that came in from uh, a, a fan of the podcast Ooh. about blocked cats. Thank so, you, fan. Thank you, fan. Yes. And this is Helen. Thank you, Helen, for putting you, this, Helen. this, this uh, question in. But, is she uh, from Mexico? Is it spelled with a J? Is it Helen? No, it is no. Helen okay. with H E L E N. So uh, normal, normal Helen. Okay. And Helen would love to do uh, us of love. Oh, can't speak anymore. Would love us to do a whole episode about managing uh, blocked cats and FIC. But because we're talking about blocked cats, she has a special question. 
how long do you leave an indwelling urinary, Catherine? <laughs> wait, 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 wait. More coming. You hear the evil laughter. Yes. Yes. What medications do you send the cat home with? Yes. Uh, and do More you then do routinely perform <laughs> urine cultures? Ooh, so oh, wow. Those yeah, are all of those are hot topic. contentious, very yes. contentious. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. What's it, the, what was the first The first one? How long do you leave it in for? Yeah. Yes. Um, I'll give mine, Susan, and then you do yours. Okay. So I would not like to have a piece of plastic in my willy. So <laughs> I, you know, again, it, to me, you got to have real values that are normal. You got to have ins and outs that are matching. You have to have sort of a hemodynamically, electrolyte, dynamically stable patient. Yeah. So if it's a mild block cat, um, I would say 24 hours. But a lot of those, they're so azotemic that you need the catheter to assess urine output and all that. And it becomes 48, 72, whatever. Mm -hmm. I, I try to get them out as soon as I think is of benefit to the patient. But also you got to look at the urine. Are there still crystals raining through? How bloody, you know, but the bloody okay. thing, the bloody question yes. is, is it bloody from the original disease or is it bloody because they got a piece of plastic in their willy? Yes. So I would say in an ideal perfect world, 24 hours, mm -hmm. but sometimes you got to extend that. I'm totally with Tony. It comes down to oh my God, the, I love the gestalt of the cat. Do you look like- Gestalt. Do you look like you're ready? Yeah. You know, I like- um, the shortest ones are probably a day, but average is probably more like three days, maybe. Two to three, two to three. Two to three, yeah. let's say two to three. Yep. Yeah. I worked with a surgeon who would do it like six hours. Like he That's was so okay. opposed. I'm so, so happy you said that, Tony, because that was me. Uh, I, I I only kept them for a very short time. Really? And I prefer to, uh, to get them back blocked than right. to have that urinary catheter in. Uh, if if, I know there's studies on catheter diameter. <coughs> are there, excuse me, I'm sorry, it's not COVID. Um, <laughs> are there studies on length of indwelling catheter? Like, is there, no. has anybody done that? Not that so I know. So three and a half French, I think, has been shown to be better. Like a smaller catheter is better. You disagree. I can tell by I, your eyebrows. I, 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 I know the study that the one or two studies that you're thinking of, and I don't think they were properly designed to answer that question. However, yeah. at least in theory. It's because they were funded by Big Calf. Smaller should be better, you would think. I don't mm -hmm. know. Yeah. Yeah. But so they I block would... more. They, they The catheters block more. They do. You know. hey, if you have a catheter in, uh, would you routinely perform urine cultures? Oh, I love this question. You go, Tony. Ooh. So I used to recommend urine cultures as part of the initial workup for a male blocked cat who had no other comorbidities um, until there are a few studies being like, it's worthless. So I kind of like, if, if somebody was like, here's a giant wheelbarrow of cash, I would probably <laughs> do it. For the usual cats, I no longer really recommend it. I think rads are a nice idea because I got burned by stones a few times. Yeah. The catheter... In the hospital, culture question to me is still kind of unresolved because um, we used to culture the catheter tip yeah. and then we yeah. would, you know, so I would say in the real world, in my real world anyway, <clears throat> it is not done unless they've got a new fever, the urine turns cloudy and looks horrible, they've got, you know, the signs of a UTI are impossible because they're always stranguric for a few days. So I, I guess for me, all things being equal, 
cultures no longer are really part of the management, but there are exceptions. So Susan, what's your take? Um, so my tra my trajectory has been very much like yours, right? Like we we've both been doing this long enough that we've gone through the you know you All culture at the beginning, right? Like no now oh and then culture at the end then and, you culture yeah. at the end or you culture the catheter tip or no you take the catheter out and then you wait and then you culture your like we've been through yeah, all of those yeah, iterations, yeah. right? Yeah. So the the truth is cats don't come in with a UTI. That's not why they're there, right? Right. Yeah. They Male don't cats. Male but cats. they can yeah. yeah, but they can get one while they have a catheter in but as i've backed off on culturing and i've and i no longer prescribe antibiotics like routinely for these oh, guys amen thank you yeah amen. i just thank stopped you. and you no know doubt. what most of them once the catheter's out and they go home they'll get rid of their own little commensal bacterial issue on their own right Right. So if it was like an FIV positive cat, it was a Maybe. diabetic, yep. it was an atypical presentation, they got a new yep. fever, fever. all about the culture. Cloudy urine, I don't right. know, you know, renal right. values make you think, oh, he's getting pyelonephritis now. Right. Whatever. So, I, But I would say for, for me, for most cases that are uncomplicated by other factors, and as long as the UA doesn't support it, no culture beginning or end. Yep. And no antibiotics. Um, what and no antibiotics. Wait, that needs to be shouted from the highest hilltop. Yes, there's uh, actually. Talking, and, and as a matter of fact, Dr. Susan, we're going to talk about what medications you should Ooh. have, which also contains antibiotics. Okay. All right. Ah, okay. okay. You first. Me first. Ooh. So, um, um, uh, I've gone through um, my presence and phases now. Over. I'm a oh, recovered. Really? Yep. Oh, I'm a I'm a recovered presses and addict. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. Hi, my name is Susan. Yeah. Hi, my name is Susan. Yeah. I, I, yeah I'm, I'm, uh, I'm in recovery. So, so number one, like there's no good data that it makes any difference. Yeah. Right. And if you look at the composition of the feline urethra striated versus smooth muscle, it shouldn't make any difference. Right. Which I've done many times. Yes, mm -hmm. indeed. Many yeah. times. Yep. Yeah. 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 I did a PhD on that. There you go. Then your guys are all with me. You're in tune with me. Yeah. And plus I've decided through my own little trial and error, you know, which is how we make all our decisions in veterinary medicine, um, that it makes cats feel crappy. Yeah. My, my okay. patients feel better. Like they yeah. eat better, they're brighter. So I've come, I've come without to, it. Okay. yeah, I've come to the conclusion that they feel better without it, um, okay. that it makes no difference. And there's like and you're talking in the like we're about to go home phase, right? Yeah. We're unblocked, yes. we're you know hemodynamically stable. Yeah. Yeah. What they need when they're going home is pain meds. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I agree. So pain medications, no antibiotics, no prasso, anything else. No. For me, it's just pain meds. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You Not know, and, and you know what cats like? No meds. Right? <laughs> and cat right. owners like no yeah meds. so if yeah. we can go down from you need an antibiotic and you need a pain med and you need prazosin and now we're just down to pain meds all that stuff looks like we're doing something but i don't know that there's really any yeah know, exactly and you know so i ooh, like nomads too nomads nomads yeah nomads, the, nomads. Uh, like nomads yeah, right yes. and they're in their tent there in the yes. uh, in the desert yes with their, Sherpas, perhaps, yeah, and the mandolin. I think that's mountains, yeah, yeah. So, are you are mountains you still, or in the mountains? Are you still I am, so? I might, but you know what? Maybe, maybe this is one of those inflection points in my career <laughs> where no, I'm still a Prazosin guy, just because yep. I, you know, I, I always tell people I think there's about a 25% chance that the cat is going to somehow pull the catheter in the hospital, absolutely, just because people. 
They're like, what did you do wrong that he pulled the catheter out? And then I tell them, and these are just numbers that I pulled out of thin air, that about one out of four cats is going to reblock somewhere in the in the periblockative phase, just because it's, it's a it's higher. It's a third. A third will. Well, there you go. There yeah. you go. Wait, isn't twenty five percent a third? Hold on. Not really. No. Not when you put them on the adequate nutrition. Yeah. Ah, yes. Well, no. And antibiotics. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm definitely in the no antibiotics camp unless you have a valid reason to do it. Um, I still am a prazosin die because it's like one pill once a day and like. But I could be, and it, but that's mostly been an institutional thing. Like that was yeah, just yeah. sort of how it yeah. was done where I was. And I was like, eh, I don't want to rock the boat. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, and I, I'm woefully behind on, on getting up to date on the, on the literature. On, oh on God. The, I, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't believe that number one. Um, put it in the show notes, put the, put the article in the show notes. I will. I, I will. <laughs> well, yes, I, I, I will. But you know, <laughs> I'm making more work for you. Susan. There's a, there's actually, there's just, no data that says it works so yeah i believe it yeah. okay helen like has on one paper. more question for you all and okay. then i'll let you go because we're almost at the end of the or as murphy we've surpassed the end but oh. this this is going so well i think we've we also surpassed expectations, this question though. is you know if you would use your men no um <laughs> It was not the mandolin question. <laughs> sorry. It was the wrong person. Very popular. Uh, so the question is that uh, what would be some tips for managing blocked cats in owners that have no money? No money. Because uh, I yes. don't know why, but there's a statistical <clears throat> correlation there. Yeah, it's like dystocious. It's just, oh yeah, totally. It's yes. And dystocious, right? Dystocious. Although, you know. Blocked cats. You know. Yeah. I can't, I can't fault the people. I mean, cats are often no, 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 marketed as a very low maintenance pet. Yeah, and so yeah. people are like, well, I'll just feed them old Roy and you know, yeah, away we go. Um, so I mean, what I'll thing. usually do, I guess, again, it depends on the illness level of the cat and how moribund are they, yes. you know, how humane is it to do this? But let's say it's a cat that's not that sick. They're mildly azotemic, mildly hyperkalemic, you know, not looking terrible, hemodynamically stable. Um, I'll usually get IV access, do propofol, unblock them, flush out as much as I can. I'm not a mask anesthesia kind of guy, so I don't do that. Um, but do, you know, total intravenous anesthesia, get them unblocked, um, give a whole, as much sub fluids as I think their cardiovascular system can handle, sprinkle some holy water on them and send them out the door. And I've had lots of those where I run into the owner a week later at the grocery store and they're like, yeah, he did fine. I know, right, right, which which makes you go like, well, then <laughs> why? Then what's all this fuss that we're yeah, doing? Yeah, 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 I know. You know it, it reminds me of, of the clients, and you've probably seen the, the, a few of these too, Tony, where you diagnose diabetes, right? You go through the whole song and dance and the story and then this and then that, and then they, you know, they disappear. And a year later, you get a request for, a, they want a new bottle of insulin, right? Like a year later. And yeah, I, I know, I know. And I'm like, yeah. So if that's how oh, I saw it. one, <coughs> I saw a pyothorax cat once. I know this is off topic <coughs> where I was doom and gloom. And I'm like, we have to do chest tubes and it's got to be an ICU. And I think they took home two weeks worth of Clavamox. And then I saw him a year later and they're like, yeah, he did fine. He didn't know all that stuff you were talking about. So yeah. they, they will surprise us. But yeah. anyway, anyway, so outpatient. Well, then there's, you know, there's the Ohio State protocol. Yes. And that, yeah. Well, so I'm a I'm a decompressive send him home with pain meds person. But not a passive catheter. Nope. 
No, I, I mean, I never say never, but right. right if right, they right, really right. have no money, then, yeah. then they're not going to be able to pay for um, intravenous. They're still blocked then. Oh, yeah. But see, the thing is that um, at least for the patient population I see, most of them are blocked with, with like plugs or it's more of a functional block. It's not yeah. always stone. It's the pressure. It's the pressure. It's mm -hmm. exactly. <laughs> yeah, like being blocked perpetuates being blocked. So you release exactly. the pressure. They can pee out. I can see that. Can yeah. I, I do, I don't know if we have time for this, but I'm going to just share one of my favorite unblocking stories. Sure. Is I had that scenario. It was a block cat, not terribly sick, a little sick. And, you know, no money. And I was looking at the cat on the exam room. It was actually in the back. And somebody dropped a full on tray of stainless steel surgical instruments with the tray. <laughs> scared the crap out of the cat, scared the crap out of me. The cat leapt off the table, ran around the clinic, leaving a trail of red urine. And there on the table was the little plug. So I'm, I'm tempted to, to write this up as an alternative to euthanasia. <laughs> is just get the biggest tray, you know, maybe China, maybe you could just have very expensive China, <laughs> drop it, scare the piss out of the cat, literally. Yeah, 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 yeah. that was perfect. So before we end this show, uh, just to Dr. Wait, Susan, I have more stories. After you decompress the <laughs> cat, are you checking if he's able to pee or you just say No, because I, I empty his bladder. Give and him pain like, medications. Pain medications, go home. Let me know how it goes tomorrow. And I did manage one cat four days in a row, come back every day for decompressive cystocentesis, and then he was fine. Yeah. How expensive was that? Stick a, well, a lot, a lot cheaper than passing a catheter. No, an, no, no anesthesia, right? Recheck so, exam. Cysto. Yeah, just a recheck yeah. exam, a cysto. It's like the outpatient parvo protocol. Yeah. Maybe we there should write go. this up. We should write this up. There I just go. want to say thank you, Helen, for these wonderful questions. Yeah. Uh, it's always great when you have people listening to the podcast uh, and and come up with questions. So and and thank you, Tony. This was great. I've laughed a lot. <laughs> now um, most of my medical advice is laughable. Well, so. and, we, and we barely <laughs> scratched the surface. We have so so many other feline disasters we could talk about. Yeah, we need to uh, get no. Tony back really quickly I because uh, save this for the future. This podcast to tremendous heights and, and and when tony started with the podcast he had this background where he had this big halo around his head you know like uh, that was the universe that was yeah. the universe yeah yeah mm -hmm. well thank you this has been a blast this has been a blast and i feel like we're helping to disseminate good information well or, or information that's good for at least five minutes you know yes yep. yes mm -hmm. yeah. and and thank you dr susan for updating the uh the oh, show wait, notes. I didn't do it. The show notes. Yeah, yeah for the Sorry. show notes from okay. last week, uh, which have work. not been updated, but that's okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Dr. Tony is not it's on unhappy. My list. It's like yes. right after the call the owner of the cat with large cell lymphoma, call the owner of the cat with this. It's on, it's on that list. Recover from the tornado. Yeah, all that tornado. stuff. Yes. <laughs> Tune up your mandolin. Look at the it's supply a, issue. The mandolin tuned. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank Order you. Order my done. second mandolin. I'm honored to have been here. Thank you so much. It was wonderful. And this is the Per Podcast. If you want more information at perpodcast.net, which is our website, which will be updated very soon. And, <laughs> no doubt. Okay, Dr. Tony, don't laugh. And uh, then we have a social media handle at Per Podcast. Thank you, Dr. Tony, once again. Thank you, Dr. Susan. Bye-bye. Thank you, my pleasure. 
Dr. Susan Little is a feline medicine specialist with two cat-only hospitals in Ottawa, Canada. She is best known as an international speaker and as the author and editor of two textbooks, The Cat, Clinical Medicine and Management, and August, Consultations in Feline Internal Medicine. Along with three cats, she also admits to owning two dogs. And you can follow her on social media with the handle at CatVetSusan. Dr. Yurl Kirpenstein is a diplomate of the American and European College of Veterinary Surgeons and a big cat fan. His specialties range from surgical oncology and reconstruction to minimally invasive surgery. He is the author of two textbooks on basic and reconstructive surgery. Did you know he was allergic to cats? Yola works currently at Hills Pet Nutrition. You can follow him on social media with the handle at GVETSX. This episode is made possible by the generous sponsorship of the Take the Pledge Against Struvites in Pets Facebook page. Did you know there are three easy steps to treat bladder stones in cats with lower urinary tract signs? Step one is to take a radiograph, and if there is a stone present in the bladder, step two is to use the Minnesota Urolith app for iPhone and Android to determine the most likely type of stone. Step three is to treat the cat for at least two to three weeks with an appropriate diet and see if the stone gets smaller. If so, keep feeding that diet until the stone is completely gone on follow-up radiographs. If not, check compliance with the owner and look for alternative treatment options. Join veterinarians worldwide to take the pledge not to remove struvite stones by surgery anymore. The opinions of this podcast are those by Dr. Susan Little and Dr. Yola Kirpenstein. Veterinary medicine is a complex profession, and often there are multiple diagnostic and therapeutic options for different disease processes. If you're a pet owner with questions, please go to your local veterinarian. If you're a veterinary professional, ask your questions on our Instagram page, at per podcast. 